Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a joy to be able to welcome you this morning as we start a brand new message series entitled Level Up. And uh, as you saw from that little bumper video, we all remember those moments where we played video games as kids. My, my first video game system was an Atari video system. I don't know about you, playing Pong and, and Tank and I think it was Battle, you know, all those wonderful things. Um, and isn't it true that in those games we would, you know, in order to level up, in order to go to the next level, the, the difficulty would get higher, but yet we would get add-ons or bonuses to our characters which would allow us to face the more difficult challenges and the same is true in Christianity. If, if you're not a Christian in this room, if you're new to Christianity, if you've been a Christian for a lot of years, whether you're on the floor or balcony or watching online, um, the truth is, is that as we grow in our faith and as we open our hearts and our minds to all that God has that he can pour into us, we gain different types of qualities and abilities that God strengthens us with and tools that we use to level up our faith as we face even more difficult challenges. And so today I'm really excited because we're going to share one of those tools, one of those items that we can use to level up our faith. And now here's the good news. If you're not a Christian in this room, then, you know, I know what it's like to not be a Christian, to kind of come in, and maybe you're learning about Christianity, you're new to Christianity, and as you come in, um, you know, a little bit is intimidating because you come in and you see individuals worshiping, you see individuals nodding heads as the the guy up here talks about things and say amen, and you're like, gosh, I I just don't even understand half of what that guy says. He talks really fast and he looks funny, but I I don't understand. And you sit there and and you're, you're trying to keep up. Well, here's the good news today. The tool that we're going to be sharing today, I would venture to say about 95% of Christianity in this room around the world today, we don't use this tool the way that God calls us to. And so if you're new to Christianity, you're on the same level. You're able to sit here with us and be able to pick this up and to be able to learn this. And so I'm really, really excited to be able to share as we begin this new series, giving some tools of how we can level up. To begin it, I never forget, um, I grew up uh, in a loud home. I grew up in an Italian home. The way that you were heard is, is you had to talk over your nearest competition. That's how you got heard. Um, And if you walked into our house, we used to have uh, probably one, if not two TVs on at all times. Uh, Sometimes, if, if you've ever done this before, when you get home, it's so quiet that you have to turn a TV on just to be able to feel normal. It's, it's like you just live with the distractions. Well, that was me growing up. And, and fast forward, you know, I, I, my, if you came to our house right now, we, ha- we have a much quieter home. Uh, it is a much more peaceful home. And so uh, if you were to do that, it's, it's kind of the, the polar opposite of what I grew up with. And I'll never forget one day uh, years ago, I was sitting on the couch and uh, apparently my wonderful bride had called me at least twice. And I, I was just, I did not hear her. I just was not focused. And so, so I'm sitting on the couch, and, and all of a sudden, um, I, I look up and I see this picture. And, I, and I'm going to give it to you because, guys, if you're a guy in the room and you have a spouse, you know this look. And so it was one of this. I'm going to give from the side because this is exactly how it happened. As I'm sitting there, I kind of look up, and this is the look that I saw. You ever, you ever seen that before? I'll just go over here. Yeah, like that. And, and I remember looking, and I just was startled, and I was just like, what? And she said, Terry, I, 
I called your name twice. Did you not hear me? And so, honest to goodness, what I said to her was, oh, I'm sorry, no, I, I didn't hear you. And she, in, in a very loving way, not argument, she was just kind of like, how did you not hear me? I, I, I said it twice. And I looked at her, and this is what I said. I said, I just was zoning out. And we had an honest discussion about this because, and, and I don't, it's not true for all women and all men, but, but a majority of men, we have a superpower, okay? I'm going to give you an insight. We have a superpower. And she looked at me, she goes, what do you mean by zoning out? And I said, I, I don't know. I said, I, I just, at times, I could just be sitting there and I could just use my superpower of nothing. And she says, you have the gift of nothing. I think out of the side of her mouth, she said, story of my life. But uh, that, that, that's beside the point. But I said, no, I, 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 I'm thinking of nothing. I really am zoning out. I really am not thinking of anything. And, and I remember her looking at me perplexed because she's like, I wish I knew how to have that superpower because I don't ever think of nothing. There's always things going on, always stuff going on. And, and that is true. Obviously, ladies are much better at multitasking, and so they've always got things going on on their minds. And so... What I'm going to share with us today, though, is, is that it's not a good place to be in a place where there's so many distractions and loud noises where we never get an opportunity to concentrate. It's also never a good place to just sit and to think of nothing. And the tool that we're going to share today meets us somewhere in the middle. And it's a tool that God not only gives us, but it's a tool that God expects us to use. And to be able to give you some context for this, we're going to talk about a guy by the name of Joshua. And Joshua is being handed the mantle and the reins from Moses. Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, over into a desert area. And long story, disobedience, 40 years of wandering in a desert and now Moses passes away, and the mantle is passed to Joshua. And then God is going to have a set of specific instructions for Joshua. And he's going to challenge Joshua to utilize this tool that he wants you and I to use. And so we're going to come back to it, but we're going to read the whole passage. And then we're going to break it down and to see exactly what tool God wants us to use. This is Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. God says this, all right, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Pause right there. So context, God looks, and I can imagine God looking at Joshua being excited, saying, all right, Joshua, let me tell you a little story, Joshua. And this is where you lean in for a second. Let me tell you a story, Joshua. You know, I was with Moses, and Moses delivered by my hand your ancestors across the Red Sea. And all the people surrounding Egypt all were fearing me because they saw the power of my hand to deliver the people across the Red Sea on dry ground. And they were feared, feared me a lot. And all of a sudden, I showed my power to your ancestors, and they made a huge mistake. They started to disobey me. They started to distrust me. And so all of a sudden, they spent 40 years in the desert. And by the way, Joshua... Do you understand how difficult that was? Because do you know all the people that were surrounding Egypt and within Egypt who saw me deliver those people? Do you know that two years after I delivered them through the Red Sea, they sat around and they said, whatever happened to those grumbling people? Oh, they're somewhere in the desert right now. And do you know what the people then said? Well, their God's not that powerful. 
I mean, he delivered them from Egypt, but he left them to die in the desert. I mean, how powerful can this God be? So Joshua, you gotta understand something. I am God. I am, I am. And I'm tired of all the people surrounding the area to look up at me and to doubt my power. So Joshua, I've got a really strong tool that I want you to use. And so I want you to make sure that you're strong and courageous because there's a lot riding on this. Does everybody understand the context now of what God is saying to Joshua? We continue on. He says, Joshua, be strong and very courageous. I love this. I love, if you ever have, how many of you are dads in the room? You ever repeat yourself to your son or your daughter? It's like, all right, all right, honey, be strong, be courageous. No, no, honey, honey, be very strong and courageous, okay? It's like he's doubling down. And so God says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. And by the way, do you know that Moses, as he, as he perished, he handed over most of the book of Deuteronomy over to Joshua, and that contained the decrees and the laws of God. And so he has this truth in his hands. And he says, Moses gave it to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Joshua, I want you to keep this book of the law always on your lips. I want you to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And if you do that, Joshua, here's my promise. You will be prosperous and successful. And Joshua, by the way, if I haven't already said it enough, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do you start to understand God's position now? I mean, three times he says the same thing. And it's just if he looks at me and says, Terry, I know you. You're like Joshua. I have to say be strong and courageous three times because I know your humanness, I know your humanity, and you're gonna fear and you're gonna doubt, and so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, Terry. Do not be discouraged, Joshua, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now right off the bat, we're gonna break this down and we're gonna go back because there's a lot to it. And the first thing is, what I see is, is that God gives us his promise and encouragement. God's promise of encouragement is the following. He says this, look Terry, if you do what I say, here's what I promise to give you. I'm gonna give you strength and courage. Because didn't God say, be strong and courageous? And we know this, that we're only strong and courageous in the Lord. So God says, you want strength? You want courage? You want the ability to face whatever you have to face in life? Well, then I can give it to you. And so God says, Terry, be strong and very courageous. Be careful, though. This is dun, dun, dun. We all love when we're like, yes, be strong and courageous. You know, it's like we're going to charge the hill. It's awesome. And then all of a sudden, God pivots and says, all right, Terry, I want you to be strong and courageous, but be careful. And I love in my mind as I read this, it's almost as if God says, Terry, as, as you're trusting me and as you're following me, here, here's the thing that I want you to remember. Not only be careful, but you need to keep watch. Keep watch. It's as if God is saying, you know, there's something that you're gonna face in your humanness. And if you want to follow my plan, then you have to be ready because you're gonna face something. And so you might say, well, Terry, what are we gonna face? Well, let's see what he says. He says, Terry, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? And so if you're strong and courageous, then what you got to watch out for is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And don't be discouraged. You know, I would say this. If you're new to Christianity, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. 
And that purpose and plan is far better than you could ever imagine and ever realize. And God's greatest desire is that we would trust him enough that every day that we wake up, God may be your will and not mine. And God, may my decisions reflect your will. And so God, when I make these decisions, I don't care how scary they are, I don't care how difficult they are, I would rather have your plan and your purpose than mine. And so God, I wanna trust you and I wanna take a step of faith. That's what God would want us to do because that would show strength and courage. But here's the truth. I don't do that all the time. In fact, here's what I do. Many times, if I hear God saying, I go, well, it must be indigestion, I'm just gonna ignore that. No, God, that doesn't make sense because that would be difficult. I'm really comfortable right now. God, I really like my life right now. God, I hear you. You keep telling me and you keep saying to me that I should do this, but God, if I do this, then I know what's gonna happen, and that's scary. What, you want me to change my career? No, that's scary, God. That doesn't make sense. That wasn't in my 10-year plan, God. You see, I'm in control of my life, God. I've got all my plans, and God, right now, if you get involved, it's gonna mess up. You know what, God, I'm here, you're there. I know a little bit more about what's going on the ground level here. You might not have been privy to the meetings I've been having, and so God, I really can't pay attention to your plan right now because mine sounds a lot better, and so it's too scary, God, and I'm too afraid. And the reason why God told Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, do not look to the left, do not look to the right, is because he knows us as human beings. Because he knows that in our life, in order to follow God's will, there's gonna be times when he's gonna call us to take a step of faith and it's gonna look too, too difficult. And the danger is, is we will be afraid. And I always say this, many of us, we face these three dangers. We face fear, we face despair, and we face depression. And let me tell you how they escalate. When God tells us, hey, at a point in our life, I want you to take a step of faith, we go, well, God, I'm not really sure I want to do this. We're afraid. But then all of a sudden, after a long period of time of us ignoring God or telling God we can't do it, then we fall into a place where we call despair because we know you know what, I'm missing it, and God wants me to do this, and I feel him every day, and now I feel like I'm disappointing God. How many of you ever felt like you disappointed God before? Well, now I've disappointed God, and if I think my God is like my earthly father, when I disappoint my earthly father, I feel shame, and so I can't look at my God, and so I'm gonna run from my God, and so we fall into a place of despair. And if we sit in despair long enough, then that falls into a place of depression, because now we know we're not living the life God called us to, and we're far off the path, and I just don't even know which way to go. And it's as if God looked at Joshua and says, look, you don't want to end up in a desert for 40 years. Your ancestors did that. So learn their lesson and be strong and courageous. It's as if God looks at you and me and says, Terry, if you can do this, please don't get lost. Don't get lost. Now, some of us, you're like, Terry, get to the point. How do we level up? What are we supposed to do? So what's the answer? Well, it's very simple. The question is, how can we follow God's command to be strong and courageous? Well, he says it in verse eight. Let's take a look at it together. He says, Terry, I want you to keep this book of the law always on your lips. I want you to make sure that my laws and decrees are there. And then he says a word that we don't like. He says, I want you to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Now, if you're not a Christian, you have to understand, we don't like that word meditate because we're afraid of it. We don't know what it means. We, we've looked at other religions that practice meditation. And we're just like, is that biblical? I'm not really sure. 
But I'm here to tell you that meditation is a biblical, in fact, God is the author of meditation, that meditation is expected of every believer in Jesus Christ. And if you were here a few weeks ago, we talked about, Terry, how do I level up my faith? And one of the things a few weeks ago we said is, yes, it's important to be in your word, Bible study. We talked about that a lot in the last couple of months. We talked a few weeks ago about how we need to improve our prayer lives. If remember, we talked about Nehemiah and the importance of prayer in Nehemiah's life. So we said that that's a way to level up. And today, we're gonna unpack really quickly what it means to apply meditation to our lives and why it's not an option, why it's mandatory for Christians. Because do you know what the original language is? you know what the Hebrew word for meditation is? It means to mutter. It means mutter. Now, here, if you're not a Christian, listen up. The reason why we don't like meditation and we don't like it is because we know it means mutter. And when I think of the word mutter, I think of a crazy uncle. You ever been to Thanksgiving and all of a sudden the crazy uncle walks in and he's just talking to himself and you just like, just avoid him, just avoid him, just stay away from him. And that's what we think when we think of muttering. And we're like, well, if that is meditation, I don't want to look like the crazy uncle. It's like, well, no, that's not what it means. So what is meditation? What is it? If you're a note taker, you need to write this down, you need to circle it, you need to highlight it because many of us mistake what meditation really is. Meditation is the ability to hear God's voice and at the same time obey his word. There's two parts. It's the ability in a moment to hear God's voice but then in your heart of hearts be able to recognize his will, his plan, and at the same time with your heart say, God, may your will be done and I will take a step of faith. That is the art of Christian meditation. But Terry, isn't meditation an Eastern religious act? I mean, I've heard it so much. There's a guy by the name of Richard Foster who wrote the book Celebration of Discipline, and I love what he says about the difference between Christian meditation and Eastern meditation. Take a look at this. He says, the continual focus upon obedience and faithfulness is what most clearly distinguishes Christian meditation from its Eastern and secular counterpoints. Do you understand? That's what makes Christian meditation different is the faithfulness and the obedience when we hear God's word. Eastern meditation, he says, is an attempt to empty the mind, while Christian meditation is an attempt to fill the mind. Well, Terry, wait a minute. What are we filling our mind with? I thought meditation is we get quiet and we just don't think of anything. I mean, Terry, it sounded like when you opened, you were practicing meditation with the supernatural gift of nothing. No. That's not meditation. Well, Terry, what are we supposed to fill our mind with? Well, God tells us in verse 8. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. And so let me illustrate this another way. I've always told you, look, other than being called by God to be a pastor, I am a man. I am a sinful man. I make mistakes. I do things well. And at times when my wife and I will have a disagreement, let me give you an example of what it means to meditate. If there's a disagreement, the ability to be able to pause and to be able to break away and to be able for me to to go through this and say, you know, God, let's have a conversation. You know, the truth is, you know I'm right. The truth is, you know she's wrong. So God, so the first thing I do is I usually pray, so God, that's your daughter, so you need to talk to her and you need to figure her out and you need to fix her. That doesn't work really well, by the way, I'm just telling you. 
And then after a little while, I pause and I just get quiet and I get silent. And then that's usually when I hear God speak. And, and God says, well, what about you? Well, God, you know, I mean, I'm right. So what's the point? But if I'm really meditating, then what I do is, is a principle will come to my mind. Something like this. Terry, don't you remember that it's important to consider others better than yourselves? Yeah, but I don't like that, God. And Terry, don't you know that you're supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church? But God, I don't like that. And Terry, do you trust me? Yes, I trust you. And Terry, don't you think that if you do those things, but God, you gotta understand something, she's wrong, I'm right, and so what about that? Terry, I'm not talking about that right now because compared to what you're doing, this is peanuts. And so maybe if you just follow and if you just meditate and if you just obey what I'm saying, maybe your marriage will be better. Maybe you'll actually model and truth be told, my wife usually models it better than I do. And what if you do that? You see, when you meditate, God gives you wisdom, God gives you discernment, and God allows you in a moment to be able to make a better choice. If you were here many years, about two, three years ago, I unpacked a series and we talked one time about the five-second rule about what if we pause in a moment and what if we just allowed ourselves five seconds in a moment to break away and say, God, I need you, God, I need you. Now, I think we need to meditate far longer than five seconds, but the principle is, what if we pause long enough to be able to listen to God's voice, to be able to know his truth and apply his truth to our decisions and our relationships? Richard Foster once said this, what happens in meditation is that we create in the moment the emotional and spiritual space which allows Christ to construct an inner sanctuary in the heart. Do you understand what he's saying? He said, if we learn to apply meditation to our life, we will learn to pause in a moment and we will learn to call upon God to fill us and to fill us with his truth and we read and we remind ourselves of his truth and what that does is it opens our heart and it fills our heart, the sanctuary of our heart with all that Christ can fill. And I don't know about you, but if my heart's in it, I'm in it. You ever try to change someone whose heart's not in it? doesn't work. You ever have someone who does something right one time but 99 times doesn't do it the right way? It's because their heart's not in it. Now you begin to understand what's happening with meditation because it attacks the heart. And it begins to morph and change and renew the heart. And if we begin to meditate, we ask God basically to change our heart and then we really see change in our lives. That's meditation. God continues as he speaks to Joshua and says, all right, keep, Joshua, keep the book of the law on your lips. I want you to mutter. I want you to meditate on a day and night so that you can be careful, Joshua, to do everything written in it because that's the truth. That's wisdom. That's discernment. And if you do that, Joshua, then you will be prosperous and successful. Terry, if you go into a conversation with your spouse and you know it's gonna be difficult, if you honor her, if you're patient with her, if you consider her better than you when you speak about it, I promise 
promise you it will lead to a better day for you. But God, you don't understand, it's difficult. I mean, God, what happens in life? Do I have to do this even when my three-year-old refuses to stay in bed? I mean, have you ever been there, God? And God, what about when my preteen lies straight to my face? Am I gonna deal with that? What about when my teenager defies me? What about when my spouse belittles me? What about when the boyfriend or the girlfriend cheats on me, God? What about then? And then the worst moment of all times. I mean, how can we trust God? God, what about when you, your boss allegedly pays you $100,000 to purposely lose games for the Miami Dolphins? What about that, God? If you have, amen. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, ESPN, it's great. Google it. You'll figure it out. But yes, God knows. And you know why I know God knows? Because he said to Joshua three times, Joshua, I know your humanity. I know you're gonna be afraid and you're not gonna wanna trust me and you're, and you're gonna end up, if you lean into your humanity, you're gonna end up lost in a desert for 40 years. And so Joshua, I'm just pleading with you. I love you, I believe in you. Be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, meditate on me day and night, and I will give you what you need to accomplish life. Terry, if you trust me, I will give you all that you need to accomplish what I have for you, even though it looks scary. Many of us in the room, we say, all right, Terry, I believe it, we need to meditate more. I don't know how to do that, I mean, what do I do, how? How do I do it? And I love this because many people, they will, at times, they will hear me and they'll tell me, Terry, you, you stand up there and you say that you heard God say. Like, did you really hear his voice? I mean, tell me about that because I haven't heard God at all. I don't know what you're doing. I'm not a pastor and I can't hear God speak to me. You ever been there before? And that's where I think we fall as Christians. Well, God only speaks to pastors or leaders. Some of us in this room, we know we're disobeying God, so we think to ourselves, well, God won't talk to me because I'm disobedient. You ever heard sometimes where it's like, well, I'm so far away from God that I can't hear his voice? We've heard those things. They're actually not biblical. Do you know today, if you desire, you can meditate with God? Today, if you desire God's voice, you could hear it? How do I know that? There's a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah, he was an amazing prophet, but he found himself along with the Israelites in a really difficult place. And I want you to read his words. He says this, Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. But if you keep reading that story, God's faithful to hear our prayers. God's faithful to hear when we cry out. And two verses later, I want you to see what Isaiah says. He says this, but then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, here I am, Lord, send me. You know, I think in our lives, we think that these biblical characters were superheroes or superhuman. They weren't. They sinned and they sinned and they ran and they ran. But as soon as they stopped and they focused and meditated 
they heard God's voice. You see, here's the truth. God spoke to them not because they had special abilities, but because they were willing to listen. Let me say that again. God speaks to us, not because we have special abilities, but because in the moment we're actually willing to look to God and say, God, here I am. Speak. And so really what we need today are followers of Jesus willing to say, God, I want to hear your voice. I don't care whether you have been disobedient from God. I don't care what you think that how God's mad at you. It doesn't matter because God is faithful to hear your prayers if you turn your heart to him. So how do you meditate? Really quickly and I'm done. Step one, we need to find a place. Find a place free of distraction. Now for some, if you have a quiet home, that's really easy. Find a chair, sit down, sit, meditate. For some people who have four kids, three dogs, two cats, a goldfish, and a snake in the house, and I'm not talking about your husband. For you, you might have to wait till late at night. You might have to get up really early in the morning. You might need to take a walk. But we gotta find a place where we cannot be distracted. Second thing, and this is important, we need to learn to open our heart. And one of the ways you open your heart is, is when you begin your prayer, just say, God, right now, I wanna read your word, and I wanna speak your truth, but I also want to confess that you are God and I'm not. And do you know why I say that? Because how many of us begin a conversation of, with God as a loaded question? All right, God, I want to talk to you about something. And meanwhile, in our heart, we already know what we're going to do. God, I want to talk to you about this because I'm a Christian and I should talk to you about it and I should pray about it. But you, are, you, know, you need to know that this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do. And so let me tell you my plans of what I'm going to do. And I just want to make sure that we're on the same page because you know that this is the way it needs to be. So when I start the conversation, God, first and foremost, you have my heart. First and foremost, it's your will, not mine. First and foremost, you are God and I am not. And some of us haven't done that in a really long time. And some of us need to today stand before God and say, God, I am not God. You are. And last but not least, we need to meditate and fill our minds. We need to read and repeat God's truth. Max Cicado once said in an interview about his devotional life that he can read a devotion that for 15 minutes, he can read a few paragraphs, a few chapters of scripture, or sometimes he will open his word, begin reading, and stop on one word, and he will meditate on that word. And he will allow that word to penetrate his heart because he knows he's not doing what the word represents. I close by saying this. There's a famous passage of scripture that I've heard all my life as a Christian and I've always took it in context where if you're not a Christian, Christians will, will point you to this passage because it's really, really good for someone who is not a follower of Jesus to hear. But do you know this, that the context of this scripture is actually not written towards someone who doesn't know Jesus. The context of this particular scripture was written to followers of Jesus. And I want to read it to you right now. In Revelations 3.20, he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I'll eat with that person and they with me. And do you understand that that's God's desire every day of our life? 
You see, what God is doing in a follower of Jesus' hearts is he's tapping our hearts. Terry, what are you doing? Terry, Terry, just answer the door. Terry, I'm right here. Terry, I've got wisdom for you. Terry, just pause in the moment. Terry, don't act. Terry, I'm right here. And God stands at the door and is banging on our heart. And if we would just pause for just a moment, if we would just meditate, if we would just read the truth, God will speak clearly to us and give us purpose and give us direction and give us wisdom for our life if we would just listen. So the question for all of us today is when we leave this room, will we choose meditation? Will we apply it to our lives? And if we do, here's what I promise. You will have a better life. You will level up your faith. And you will honor God by being strong and very courageous. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for this word and God, I love your word because, um, Lord, there's so much truth in it. And God, you treat us like your children, which we are. God, being a parent uh, of, of a middle schooler, Lord, I'm, I'm mindful of a parent's voice. And, and God, to see you speak to Joshua as your son and to say, Joshua, I love you. Be strong and courageous. Joshua, okay, I pause. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. And Joshua, one more thing. Be strong and very courageous. God, I see you speaking that into our lives to encourage us that we can do all things through you who give us strength. And so, God, may we remember your truth. May we step with a faith that is huge because we meditate on your truth. So today we tell you we love you. Today we wanna be a body of believers, God, that pauses, that meditates, and because of it, we have wisdom. And God, right now in this moment, as you brought to my heart, I pray for believers in Eastern Europe to be able to step up who are meditating, to be able to have a voice, to be able to speak truth, to be able to calm waters, and to be able to bring sense to a senseless situation. And so God, speak. And may we as your children listen. And may we obey, which is the true meaning of meditation. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.